Hello, my name is Vicky Gay and welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. Underdevelopment has often been blamed on bad policies adopted by national governments. Augustin Fossou from the United Nations University has identified four such policies which he believes have been the cause of inefficiency, overregulation and misallocation of resources. He says these bad policies, or policy syndrome as he describes them, were responsible for the subpar growth in sub-Saharan Africa during the 70s and the 80s. I spoke to him earlier and asked him to identify these so-called policy syndromes. Policy syndromes are policies that ended up decreasing growth. There are a number of them. Uh, one of them is regulatory syndrome, where you have the imposition of state controls on foreign exchange, finance, agriculture, and all kinds of sectors in the economy, and such policies tend to be inefficient. You also had adverse redistribution, where existing governments tend to redistribute all their own constituencies, uh, which a lot of times tend to be ethnically affiliated. You also have the uh, suboptimal intertemporal allocation of resources, which is a situation where governments tend to overspend during booms and then when the bus occurs, they strive for cash, and uh, they end up borrowing quite a bit of money. Uh, and then finally, uh, you have state breakdown. These are the four uh, policy syndromes. How have they contributed to poor growth? I mean, you've touched a little bit on this, but can you tell us more? Essentially, they tend to reduce the efficiency of production. If, uh, for example, we spend a huge amount of money to build roles into the hometown of the president, uh, and those roads actually don't have much economic utility. Or if you have an international airport uh, where really international flights seldom arrive, it would have been better to have reallocated you know, those uh, projects elsewhere. Uh, so that's an example where you have inefficient allocation of resources. Uh, the same thing with um, regulatory syndromes. It tends to breed black market. People don't get the resources that they need to be able to uh, create those economic uh, activities and products. If you have suboptimal and temporal location of resources, that simply means that you can start some very good projects, whether you're building schools or hospitals or roads, uh, and you cannot complete them when the bus occurs, uh, which means that uh, a number of these projects go to waste. Is this negative impact of policy syndrome specific to African country, or is it you know something that you find more widely? It can happen anywhere, but they usually happen in the cases where you have uh, natural resources, where governments uh, do get the resource almost like manna from heaven and spend them you know, uh, creatively in the sense that uh, they try to meet their own interests and interests of constituencies and so on. Um, if you look at the post-independence period, at the beginning, there were a number of uh, syndrome-free governments, especially those governments that were not involved in a lot of state controls. Ghana and, you know, for example, uh, Tanzania, uh, where the leaders tended to have, you know, quite a bit of government infusion uh, in the development process. The government usually was the main architect for growth and development. And even though they did a number of good things, such as increasing education attainment, they also ended up having a situation where a number of resources were misallocated. Uh, and in the process, cause problems. For these countries that are suffering from these policy syndromes, are there any other type of policies that they could adopt to promote economic growth? Uh, yes. What they would need to do 
is obviously to avoid uh, these syndromes as much as possible, uh, which means that uh, they should probably try to have stability and a reasonable amount of uh, free market policies. Uh, that is what is usually referred to as a non-syndrome or syndrome-free regime. Uh, and countries should try as much as possible to achieve syndrome-free regimes because those two regimes are the most growth-enhancing regimes. How big is this policy syndrome problem right now? Well, it is probably much better now than it used to be. We had a lot of problems, especially the early 1980s, where I'll probably say that most African countries had a number of syndromes. Uh, since that time, things have changed quite dramatically. Uh, if one looks at the evidence in the late 1990s and so on, one would find that there have been significant reforms in many of these countries. And as a result, a number of these countries, except those that have state breakdowns, have actually ended up achieving the syndrome-free regime. So one should look at the, uh, the positive side here. Many African countries have gone back and achieved symptom-free regimes almost to the same level as it was during the immediate post-independence period. But of these symptom-free nations, on average, how much have their economies improved? Has it been a significant change? No doubt about that. Uh, if you look at the continent right now, economic growth today is much better than it was uh, in the 1980s. Indeed, uh, some countries are growing even faster than some of these uh, Asian countries. Uh, so many African countries are doing very well in the area of growth as a result of uh, restructuring the economies, um, having reforms uh, such that uh, the economies have indeed picked up you know, quite tremendously. People hear a lot of bad news about African countries, but African countries have changed, many of them, quite dramatically since the early 1980s when a number of these countries were basket cases. Uh, today, there has been significant progress, and the hope is that the progress will indeed be sustained. This was Augustin Fossou from the United Nations University speaking about policies which destroy growth. And to hear more podcasts, log on to www.imf.org slash podcasts.